this morning I was uh, ruminating over Black affinity spaces and Black networking events and like how much like I'm an introvert and like I like to keep to myself and it's just like mm-hmm. on the one hand like I want to like I like understand like you know how some people see like them as like a necessary tool to advance like you know black achievement in whatever field and on the other hand it's just like I just don't like people like that <laughs> it's just like like they like I feel you it involves like get like egos and like you know like like the struggle Olympics and like all that stuff. And I'm just like, I don't want to be here. (laughs) Oh no. A thousand percent. I I feel you. I'm I'm the same way. I'm not, I'm similarly like I can, I'm an introvert by nature. I can be extroverted, but it's just like very draining. You know what I mean? So I'm like, anytime I have to go to one of those things, I'm just like, this is just so much energy and work, you know, just to, you know, meet someone who you're like, Oh, maybe we could work on something someday or, you know, yeah. Or maybe I can connect you with this person. Um, but yeah, I, I get you. It's it's a pain. Yeah, like I had to take a nap afterwards. I was like, this is too much. <laughs> <laughs> it was too it was just too much. Welcome to the What is Black podcast, where we attempt to defy the myth of a black monolith. I'm your host, Jason McCoy. This podcast wouldn't be possible without your listenership. So please subscribe to us on all the podcasting platforms, including Apple Podcast and Spotify, and share with your friends and enemies. What is Black Podcast is kept independent and ad-free thanks to your donations. So please find all the links on how you can help us keep this going by visiting whatisblackpodcast.com. Without further ado, Let's break on in. Season finale. What's good, everybody? My name is Jason McCoy, and I'm here with Ray Smiling, the Destroyer. What's up, Ray? Nothing much, man. Chilling, chilling, chilling. <laughs> always, always weird to hear internet handles used as, as real names. But yes. <laughs> I mean, that's where we're at now, especially like with Zoom and everything. It's just like everybody's and I. Yeah, this is like Stream Street Black Mirror shit, though. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, no, I'm I mean, like, it's weird because like, you know, like back in like the early 2000s, I was like heavy on message boards and shit. <laughs> and so like I would meet up with people from message boards and, you know, like we go party, we go do whatever. But you know someone from a message board, so it's like you introduce them to like a normal friend of yours, and you're like, "Yo, Steve, meet you know, Cockmaster seventy five, and they're like, "Oh, word, word, yeah, yeah, no, nah, nah, chill, man, it's just Cockmaster, don't worry about him, you know." Um, but yeah, the, the whole using internet names, yeah, Cockmaster's yeah. cool. You'll like him. <laughs> nah, he's chill, bro. Don't don't worry about the name. He's chill, bro. <laughs> it's it, bringing like those circles on because like he's definitely like. I would say I, I live a separate life online definitely than I do like IRL or in real life. Mm-hmm. Um, and like for me, it started back in the AOL days when we had like yeah. instant messenger and like we, I mostly tried to like, you know, I kept in contact with family and friends, but mostly tried to meet girls on instant messenger and like in the chat rooms and everything like that. And it was weird, like actually meeting them in person mm-hmm. because it was just like, yo, Okay, I remember one time we ran like this okie doke on this chick. She had came to meet me, 
um, at a coffee shop and I sent my friend to go scope it out first. And he came back and he was like, no, don't go. No. Don't go. <laughs> and I was like, yo, you saved my life. I mean, for many reasons, because she was also like wild, like a uh, redneck racist too. Like, mm. so it was just like, but the so thing. Did she, not, did she, she not know you were black? She did. She huh. did. And that interaction was interesting in and of itself because when I finally revealed to her, like, over message that like I was black, there was like a long pause. There was like a period of just like nothing. And then she was just like, okay, cool. Right, I could work with this. I, I could, <laughs> I could, okay. All right. I'll, you know, I can find a way to deal with this. Yeah. <laughs> yep. It never worked out for the better. No, I, I, I could see that not working out in the long term. Yeah. <laughs> so, I want to start off by asking probably one of the most um, important questions that anybody has ever asked you or ever will ask you. I wasn't prepared to ask this myself because it took a lot of like, you know, self-reflection. Mm-hmm. Um, who would win in a fight between Tilda Swinton and Tony Collette? <laughs> wow, that's, those are two heavy hitters right there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm going I'm to give it to Tilda just because just because I feel like she's got more levels of weirdness to her. You know Mm. what I mean? Like, it's like, if it's like, you know, like superheroes who use magic, like her bag, her magic bag is just like so much deeper. Like she's done so many weird motherfuckers that like, I feel like, I feel like, you you know, you know how like you think of some people and you're like, you know, if you're going to fight with that person, they definitely going to stab you. Yeah. Like no matter what, they're definitely gonna stab you. Like, like I feel like Tilda's like beyond just a normal stabbing. Like she's gonna pull out some wild <laughs> shit out of her purse. You know, like like you're gonna be like, "Fuck you, bitch." She's like, "Oh, well, where are we fighting?" And she just pulls like a mace out of her purse, and you like, you went straight to medieval weapons. You didn't even like, you didn't go for the knife. You didn't go for like a can of mace. You went for the the stick with the ball with the stick with the spikes on it. Okay. Actual mace. Right, that's a, okay. That's cool. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I'd give it to her, but no disrespect to Tony Collette at all. No disrespect intended. It's weird because, like, I mean, like, it wasn't until I watched Tilda, one of your shorts from Khaki is Leather, that I, like, started to see, like, there are some parallels between, like, both of their careers. Like, I mm-hmm. have been, like, a Tilda Swinton fan for, the for like, the longest time. It was, But it wasn't until, like, um, Constantine with uh, Keanu Reeves, mm-hmm. where I was just like, yo... She's dope because she was right. playing like she was playing the angel Michael. I think it was she was playing Michael in it, but I it was so. just like a straight androgynous role. And I was like, and I like, I was like, but wait, I know she identifies as a woman, but she's playing like an archangel that has commonly been referred to as like a man. And I was just like, I couldn't wrap my head around it. And I was just like, yo, I think I love her. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, man. I, I mean, like, you know, I, I think I think the thing is that, like, Tony Collette is definitely more in the, like, she gets put more in the, like, hysterical woman category. Mm, and, like, she does that, like, super well and, like, variations of that super well. But then, like, Tilda's like, oh, I can do hysterical woman, but I can also do androgynous vampire, angel, immortal being, creature, you know, as well. And also can just straight up be like, oh, I'm going to do the leading lady bit, leading lady bit, just straight up, you know, so... 
that's that's why we stand for for Tilda definitely. Yeah, on the like the at the on a dime she switches to like was it something about Kevin or we need to talk about yeah, Kevin? Yeah. yeah, we need to talk about Kevin. Yeah, which fucked me up completely. The I'm not trying to spoil anything, but the scene where Homeboy was in the bathroom and she walked yeah, by, yeah. he looked back. I was just like, oh, okay. I yeah, mean, that, that's a movie. If if you if anybody listening has not seen it. Just go watch it. Don't watch it. Don't look at any spoilers or anything. Yeah. And it's going to take you on a ride. It's definitely going to take you someplace you you were not expecting to go. Oh, no, absolutely. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. So, oddly enough, one of the shorts that you made was on that same level of, yo, for me. And it wasn't the Tilda, the Tilda short. The Tilda short was dope. Um, And, like, by that was, like, just simply by having Tilda Swinton mentioned in it, I was just like, oh, this is my favorite rail off the right, rip. Right. But it was the It Bites Back. Mm-hmm. That disturbed the shit out of me. <laughs> <laughs> and you know for obvious reasons, but like yeah, I was yeah. watching like I was watching it and I was vibing with it and I was like, all right, this is like a dope, like, you know, discourse, and they were having like a nice little a nice back and forth. And then when it hit I was like, mm-hmm. oh, oh, shit. <laughs> and I will, like, you have the honor of having something that made, that fucked me up on the level of, like, Serbian film. <laughs> as far as, like, I mean, not, like, in gruesome goriness, but just, like, yeah, yeah. My, fucked my, did my head in. So, yeah. congrats to you. <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, yeah, no, I mean, like, I, I think what was interesting with the the entire project is that Khaki is Not Leather is, is about, you know, people in camming relationships, cam boys, cam girls, paying for sex or, interco- um, or relationships and stuff. But, like, as me and my partner, Coin, started writing it, um, one of the things that was important to me was to, like, vacillate the genre between episodes and so like the tilda one you can is more of like a straight rom-com mm. it's it's weird but it's it's essentially a meet cute from any rom-com but then by the time we had started we kept writing and we got to it bites back i was like i want to see if i can make a horror movie in the, in a in a in a cam situation you know mm. um and I, I think like with the the music choices and the direction like that was the the idea to like push it into a horror space but at the same time not judging the people Mm. because like, I think like when you watch it the first time through and that the part that comes hits you and you're like, Oh shit, what the fuck is happening here? But then if you watch it back again, like there's an argument made on like sort of both sides of that. I'm trying to be very vague just to not spoil it. Right. 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 There's an argument made on both sides of the discussion. Let's say that, you could side with either one and understand how it's like a thing. And, you know, and I think with whenever, like, especially with this whole series dealing with kink mm. and people's sexual interests, like my goal is never to be like, ew, you do whatever you do. It's more of like, I want to understand from like a human level, why you might find interest in that thing. Even if it's not a thing that I'm remotely going to, you know, do, but like, I'm going to be like, I get you go ahead, do that thing. I get you. I'm not going to do it, but I get you. Right. And that's what like, and that's what I really liked about the, the series is that like throughout, throughout all of it, none of it really, none of it like kink shamed at all, which is just like, I was almost kind of like expecting at some point to like, you know, when upon first viewing, 
at some point it was going to be like, ill, you're bad for that or ill, like that's naughty. But throughout the whole thing, it was like, there was no kink shame. And I was just like, this is dope because so in a, in a lesser director's hands or a lesser creative team's hands, it could have easily turned into something that was just, just like, aren't these people bad for like, you know, liking what they like. And like, it comes out a lot too, even in casual conversation, when you're just saying like, you're interested in certain things and people are just Mm -hmm. like, how could you be interested in that? Like, I love like certain genres of um, like death metal and like, yeah. I'll listen to that before I listen to like Nas right. and yeah. like the judgment like that comes with that. It's just like, what, what are you talking about? Like, they're not even saying anything. It's just like, yeah, it's, it's just noise. It's just dude screaming. Why would you want to listen to that? Right. Yeah, no, but yeah, it's just, no, I, I feel like I come from a similar place. Like I grew, when I grew up, uh, you know, I grew up in Brooklyn um, in like, you know, the 90s, I was a teenager um, and I was listening to like Wu-Tang Clan and like Metallica and Pantera at the same time, mm-hmm. you know? And so like, I definitely have experienced, I experienced exactly the thing you're talking about where people are like, why would you listen to that? You know? And I, I think, I don't think everyone has to listen to everything. Everyone has to enjoy everything. But I think one, we should try to make attempts to understand why people mm-hmm. like, what is the appeal of death metal? What is the appeal of, you know, big titty goth girl anime? You know, like, like there's a thing in there. And then the second thing is that I'm like, if, if I, if you let me access your Google search history, <laughs> like, motherfucker, like I know, I know everybody got something weird in their search history and in their interest in there. I never told anybody, but one time I did da, 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 da. Mm-hmm. So if you out here, licking peanut butter off feet, how are you going to yell at the other person who wants to, you know, be a furry? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like we all got weird shit, you know, like stop it. Yeah. yeah. It's like, I mean, take it a step further where it starts to affect policy and discrimination. It's just, this, it's just like, you see all these um, like politicians that are straight anti-gay on the surface, but then like you dig deeper in their closets and they got like, what, like, tons of like just like wild shit that they're into that they i mean they demonize in public but in private like they're partaking in it doing it and it's just that like that dichotomy of just like the i mean i guess human condition you can call it but Mm -hmm. when you're more in touch with this like saying like yo this is like how i get off or like you know this is what i like this is what i love it's like a certain like freedom that comes with that and I definitely like feel it in your work, which is why I vibe so much with it because I was just like, Joe, this is just free. Like everything yeah. that you, like everything you and your partner created was just like, it was just free and it was freeing and it was refreshing to watch. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. That was, that was definitely the, the intention. Definitely the intention. Cool. So speaking of like, um, Kaki is not leather. Was that, I, that was a personal project, right? Between with you and your yeah. partner. Like, yeah, it was, it was just something that, um, you know, uh, when the pandemic hit, you know, like, obviously none of us go outside, you can't socialize. And so like, I just found myself like calling people more and like, I'm generally not a phone person. Like mm-hmm. I'm, I'm in and off right on and off the phone, like real quick. You need what? Uh, okay, cool. I'm out. Um, but now I'm, I'm sitting there and I'm having like hour and a half long conversations, you know, like, let me call up my old roommate from college. Let's just shoot the shit, you know? Right. Um, and so uh Corny and I were just talking for a hot minute and it was the week that uh Pornhub was like 
Pornhub is free for a month or whatever for mm. everybody. And like, we were just like making jokes about that. And that's how we sort of like, that was sort of the genesis of the project where we were like, if Pornhub has been ha- hiding stuff behind a paywall and it's been free this whole time and we've been like, all right, Pornhub's got everything. You go in there and whatever you want. What have they been hiding, bro? Like, <laughs> <laughs> section. What is back there, you know? And that's how we just sort of got into the idea of like, what's the most random thing that you could think would be, you know, behind that wall? You know, it's like Tilda Swinton, fake Tilda Swinton porn. Right. That, okay, cool. Jump off from there, you know? Um, but yeah, it was a personal project. We just, just did it just for fun. Yeah. Cool. I mean... I'm not saying that I wouldn't watch a deep fake Tilda Swinton porn. <laughs> You're not not watching. I would not not. Um, so, this, so with Khaki is not other compared to other more like uh, commercial projects that you've done uh, in creative directing and etc. Like, how does your approach differ or the same? Um, I would say it's it's honestly kind of the same. Um, it's just, there's no one there to like, there's no constraint there when I do the stuff for myself. But for me, no matter what I'm making, like whether I'm trying to sell, you know, sneakers or makeup or headphones or whatever, I start everything off with like trying to find like a human truth, you know? Mm. Um, and like, you know, when you're selling a product and you're being very, you know, this is only exists to sell this product the human truth kind of gets like more obscured um, and more abstract. But to me, it's still that same process of like, if I can boil it down to like, I can, this is like one line I can tell a normal person who doesn't care about these headphones or sneakers. And they're like, yeah, no, that's true, man. Yeah. Like I, I get that. Then I'm on to something good and I can jump off from there. And so, you know, w- w- with Khaki, it, you know, like, as we were saying, it's sort of that thing of like the, the human truth there was just that, like, everyone has something weird that they like or that they get off to. And it's generally because it connects you to someone else, Mm. you know, whether that's a group of people or a single person, but it's like, for some reason, whatever that reason, this thing makes you feel whole, makes you feel safe, makes you feel warm, makes you feel heard, you know, whether that's, you know, flamenco dancing or like i'm gonna i'm gonna put on high heels and walk around my house whatever it is that's that's making me feel whole and so jumping off from that and with that as the like show how this thing is making this person feel whole Mm. then it was just like we're off to the races even though like i said it started off with, with jokes and about porn and stuff but like once we like dug into that truth everything flowed out of there and it just it, it came really easily yeah mm. so everything starts with like um like either a connection and or like finding like a comp like a truth within it and then that's yeah. like making that connection with other people and so and yes. is that a theme that runs throughout all of your work or was it just like um like you know specific works that you use that for no it, it i mean that that is legitimately i i would say that anything that i've i've made in the last i don't know like let's say six seven years has always been about finding that human truth that is like applicable to, if not everyone, most people, you know, Mm. like most people. And, and, you know, it can be something from like, I did stuff for makeup and like the sort of human truth there that I was working around was the idea that 
all of us put on something to make us feel um, to feel like our ideal self mm-hmm. to get us ready for the world. And for women, that might be a little bit of makeup. That might be a whole face of makeup. I, I'm a dude. I don't wear any makeup, but like shit, catch me when I get my like my fade right. Right. And I come out the barbershop like you can't tell me shit. Catch right. me when I got a new pair of sneakers or like my Supreme shirt or whatever it is, you know, like and and you feel that power and that energy. And I'm like, OK, cool. I don't know shit about makeup, but I understand that mm. we off to off to off to the races. And so that's that's always how I generate try to generate work is because if I'm just doing stuff just on like a technique, like, oh, what if we spun the camera around and was black and white and this, mm. that, the other, it'll be cool. But it I, like I'm like, that's just like a technical, I, like no disrespect to dudes on YouTube who just make like trick stuff. But that's what I'm making now. You know what I mean? It's just right. to, like make a trick. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's it's something I try to communicate with like the clients that I work with too. It's just like, you have to have like some form of narrative behind what you're doing or else you're not really going to catch people. Like you might be like thinking you're selling, like just selling like popcorn, but it's Mm -hmm. just like, how does that popcorn relate to the people that you're trying to sell to? Like what are their tastes? What, What are their interests? And it goes beyond like, you know, of course it's like choosing your target market when you're talking about like marketing and branding, et cetera. But it's just like, you've got to tell the story that, that connects to them, like remind them of their childhood or like yeah. a time where they went to their movies with like their first like girlfriend, boyfriend, whatever. And they were sitting in the dark and they just like, you know, exchanged glances and kissed in the dark, which actually might be something dope. I'm going to have to write that down. But like, yeah, it's like making that, like making that connection. And it's like sometimes difficult. Cause it's just like, you get these, especially when you're working with like mid to larger co- like companies and corporations, like they forget that like, it's a bunch of, they're selling to humans with mm-hmm. feelings and emotions. So they're not just selling to other like corporations or like, like non-personality having entities. Yeah. And so I think that's like, that is like very important. But I did want to talk about the technical aspect, too, because uh, last season I spoke to filmmaker Q Ledbetter and we talked about how impossible it is to make a film. So what is like your creation process and how do you go about taking something from a concept or an idea to actually fully executing it to a finished product? Yeah, I mean... Um, it is very, very hard to make. We'll call anything that is motion, you know, uh, motion images in motion. We'll call that a film. Mm. It's impossible to make film. It requires so many people and so much money. And, and that's just, that's already after you've got a script ready and everything like that. So yeah, anyone who makes anything hats off to you. Um, but I think for me, the process is about like, I've done it enough times because I worked it. I work in advertising mm. where it's like, I have been literally on more shoots than I can count. I haven't been the director of them, but I've been been there from day one when we're like, how do we do this? Where do we go to do this? We need a pool. All right, well, that pool is done. We can't use that pool. We, can't, we need another pool. That needs to be Olympic pool. Da, da, da. I've done it enough and I've sat in enough parts of it that I'm like, okay, it's just making the film is one big problem. And the only way to beat that big problem is to break it up into a bunch of small problems. Mm. And then once you've broken it up into small problems, then it's like, okay, I can accomplish 
I need an Olympic size swimming pool on Tuesday. I got $5,000. How do we do this? And it's like, all right, you can go to all the different colleges. You're going to go to high schools. Shit, man. Maybe, you know, a, your friend knows a friend who's a rich dude who has an Olympic size pool in his house. Cool. Maybe we could just give him that money. But, uh, and then at a certain point, maybe you're like, listen, we've gone to every Olympic size swimming pool in New York City. And the cheapest one is $20,000. Okay, we can't do we can't do an Olympic size swimming pool. How do we fix this? How do we change this? Is that, mm. This is just one part of the problem. Obviously, your whole movie isn't just one pool. Um, but like, if I just keep approaching every single problem like that, eventually you, you win the, win the whole thing. And the other thing is to just surround yourself with people who are also problem solvers Mm. and are better at their thing than, than you are, you know what I mean? And so it was like, you know, we ran into a lot of problems when we were filming khaki with just like, basically everything was done remote. You know, I, I was not... I n- I've never met any of the actors. Like if, if we're counting like really? physical, yeah. If we count physically, like I'm close enough to touch a motherfucker. I have never met any of those people. Everything was done on zoom and various um, zoom like uh, programs, but you know, so then it became a problem of like, well, how do we record and it ha- have it in sync. And then also I wanted to have multiple angles when we were recording each person. So it was like, am I going to, only record with the camera on your laptop and then cut and then all right, move the laptop over here mm. and then cut. And you're like, well, now that doubles, triples the amount of time that I'm shooting something. So I'm like, no, let's shoot multiple angles at the same time. Well, how do you sync up multiple cameras at the same time over the internet? And you're working with people who are actors. Right. Their job is, their expertise is in acting, not in going through a bunch of settings and doing this. So how do you make it simple so that they can, do they can be the hands that you need and so i worked with a um my dp uh gall parat and he was like super on top of it and me and him were just sitting back and forth sending each other like random programs we used a really the way that we did it was we mispurposed a, a program we mispurposed <laughs> a it program that allows you to take over someone's um iphone mm. and so like you know when you dial an it and they're like do I have permission to go in your shit? Yeah. yeah okay, yeah. cool. And then they do the shit. So we used that so that we could see the screen of the iPhone. And we had basically the actors are recording from their laptop. We are, have them recording from their iPhone, but I have my DP dialed into their iPhone so that he can monitor what the iPhone is seeing and tell them how to adjust that ever so subtly and go to this, this, that, the other. Mm. And he's sitting in his house with four computers watching every single angle like he's like you know some sort of madman you know right. um but we made it work you know and but that's all that's all just through the like all right how do we connect the iphone and the laptop problem one solved how do we get gall to be able to view both of those at the same time problem solved and that's how we that's how you make shit happen honestly yeah <laughs> it's just a lot of the problems because it's just like with like with film many creative industries but film specifically like it's like i would say 10 percent creativity um 20 percent who you know and 110 percent problem solving (laughs) yeah it's just like the math with making a film never adds up but you just like somehow at the end of the day it always it comes out 
And, you know, for better or yeah. for worse, like it comes out, like it has to be finished. It gets finished. <laughs> yes. And the, and the more you do it, the better you get at it because every time you do it, you learn something new and something different that saves you hours on the next one. Mm. You know what I mean? Um, and so it's just really, if I was to give any advice to anyone who wants to make film and is, is starting out and they're like, yo, I got ideas, but I don't know what the hell I'm doing. I would just say, just try to tag along with as many different productions as you can, you mm. know, just so you can see how other people figure out the shit, you right. know? Um, and then just make as much stuff on your own as you can to just get those reps in and get better and better. And so is that how you got your start? Was it in advertising first or was it in filmmaking? Um, it was in, uh, actually, I used to work in um, streetwear. Mm. Um, I used to work for a company called Mishka. And um, when I was working for them, I uh, started doing their like lookbook videos, like little two minute, you know, uh, videos. But luckily, um, the guys who owned it, they were like, yo, like we fuck with your vision. Here's X amount of money for this lookbook. Go to town, buddy. Mm. <laughs> you know, and, right, right, right. And so it, it was a it was a great sort of like trial by fire because it was like, all right, I gotta figure it, I gotta figure this out, you know. Um, and that's where I cut my teeth. Where it's like, you know, I'm doing everything from like, all right, cool, I gotta steam the clothes the models gotta wear. I gotta figure out how to where are we gonna shoot this. Uh, I gotta tell the 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 dude who's coming out of NYU with the camera, like, yo, my vision for this is like. <laughs> We gonna do this, this, and that, right, that and the right. other. But then also, when the cops come, I gotta be the guy who's like, "Yo, uh, what's up, officer? Uh, no, we just—I'm <laughs> just a student, man. We just doing student projects, you know." This, that, the other, you know? Um, but all of that helped me so that by the time I got to advertising, like full on, and we're doing a shoot that costs a million dollars, and they got trailers and light lights and you know and all that, that I'm like, okay, cool. Like, I'm not a stylist. But I I did a little bit of styling, you know, I ironed right. the clothes and tried to figure out how the outfit goes together. So when I talked to the stylist, I could kind of talk his or her language, you know, and like that that's how I got started. That's how I got that got my um my stuff going. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just like a lot of it is just like being there, not so much like being in the right place, right time, but I mean a lot of that is it yeah. too. But it's more importantly just being there. And yeah. just like, you know, making sure that like, even if your presence isn't felt, there's like echoes of your presence. So like you can, you know, figure shit out based off of like everything you see and absorb everything that you're seeing. And it's yeah. funny that you said you work at Mishka. So like we might have, I don't know if you ever went out to like when Mishka sponsored events or anything like that, but we, we mm-hmm. could have possibly been at like the same event, like way back when, because yeah. um, one of my weird convoluted, but like a friend's ex-girlfriend was dating one of the dudes i think one of the designers at mishka um okay. it was like this tall white dude um which doesn't really that's not really descriptive because that's like half, <laughs> that's half the streetwear scene it's like tall yeah, white exactly. dudes <laughs> but it was like this like she like she's japanese and she was dating one of those guys there and like we used to get invited to like all the parties because like we knew her and she yeah, was yeah. dating him um but that that was, was like forever world. ago. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I like I mean and like I there was like such a renaissance back in the day too, I feel for like streetway streetwear, like I wanna say like late nineties, all through like the early two thousands up until like mid two thousand where it was just like all the party all the dope shit was like sponsored by streetwear brands. Yeah. Whether yeah. it was like Mishka or like Wesk or um mm-hmm. uh like any like uh was it 
they're still going now. Uh, Brooklyn Circus or yeah, yeah. like they all had deep was doing was getting off too. Yeah. Triple five yeah, soul scene. Yeah, Triple five. Yeah, they had like I mean it was just like the dopest parties and like you would go there and like you'd be actually like you know standing next to like a Pharrell or like you know somebody and yeah. it was real chill and I feel like. Do you think that's a magic that can be ha- that can be captured again, or is it just like too late in the game? COVID fucked everything up. Like, I think as soon as, you know when COVID's done, it's going to happen again. It, it might not be streetwear; mm. it might be something else. I'm I'm not young enough to you know like I'm not out in these streets so right. to speak yeah. <laughs> enough to know you know exactly what the thing is. But that's youth culture. That's mm. always going to be a thing. There's always going to be some little pocket of some little scene where it's like if you're in the no-no that's where everybody is that's where the culture is being made that's where the slang is being made that's where you show up to a party wearing a cowboy hat and everybody's like yo that shit is that shit's kind of fire (laughs) and then six months down the line you see on the on the runway you know cowboy hats are in you know because because kylie jenner was there and she saw you wearing the cowboy hat she's like bet you know i'm giving me a cowboy hat boom 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 and like every nobody knows that you are really the originator of the cowboy hat trend, but that's that's how it goes, you know. Yeah. Um. That and that's always going to be a thing forever. Yeah. Yeah, because like dunks. I mean, dunks will SB dunks were always dope, and then it. But like, there's like this resurgence. I feel since like yeah. Kylie Jenner and uh, Travis Scott like started like rocking like all the old school dunks that I was just like yeah. thirsting over when I was just like out there in these streets, actually like waiting online for shit and like mm-hmm. talking to people behind closed doors about getting shit. And it's just like now a whole new generation's on up on it. And it's just like, wow, that's like the, the power of commerce. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it, it's, it's weird. Like you get old enough and you actually start to see things come back in a cycle yep. you know what i mean where like your parents would be like oh i remember this song and you'd be like shut up old man da, 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 da. but now you're like oh shit like i do remember when those dunks came out originally and then they went away and nobody wanted those motherfuckers and now all of a sudden somebody warm travis got warm and everybody's like yeah man dunks are the cool shit and you're like dunks Yep. Yeah. Do a dunk again? Yep. Okay. Cool. All right. That. Yeah. I still yeah. got my unlucky thirteens. My um, but my goats are still the Coraline dunks and mm-hmm. the shy pink dunks. Like I can't find the shy pinks anywhere. But like, if I can get those, I will stop collecting sneakers forever. <laughs> That's like those are the grails for me. And it's also funny. That I'm like you mentioned it. I'm watching. I become. I'm at least more aware of myself becoming old. Because I'm watching myself and actually listening to myself, taking a step back and saying like, oh, shit, I'm getting old. And it's not like I'm, you know, aging, everybody's getting old, whatever. It's like, no, like you said, like when your parents was like, oh, back in my day, I'm doing that same shit. I'm doing the back in my day thing. And I'm just like, take what? Click clock? What's click clock? I can't can't be doing this shit, man. Like, like, I always felt like I was, you know, because like. Especially coming from like that scene, you think like you'll always have your finger on the pulse. And then when you actually just like, wait, what's that? Reels. And it's just like, wow. Wow. Yeah, no, no. And it, it and it, it's even shit like, you know, I'll go on I'll go on Instagram or whatever and you see all the people doing the random ass TikTok dances that are so overly convoluted and you know, you and you're just like, bro, like why are you spending all your time to learn some goofy ass fucking dance? and then post it on the internet. And then you're sitting there like, 
It's not like back in my day when we were doing the lean with it, rock with it. Right. That's a dance. I'll tell you about that. You want to talk about a dance? Let's put on some snap music. I'll show you how to dance, you youngsters. And you're like, oh, yeah, no, this is really just the same exact fucking thing. Just repurposed in a different thing. Um, But, yeah, that's I mean, you know, it's what did Q-Tip say is uh, Bobby Brown is just amping like Michael. I mean, like, Mm, yeah. It's it's always a cycle. Yeah, yeah. Everything moves in like in a, in a cycle. So, what is like what appeals to you about the absurdity of being human and the human condition? Um, I, I think you know I I appreciate absurdism so much um, because I just think the world. Like ultimately, philosophically, I think the world is chaos. Mm. I don't think there's any guiding principle to the world. Um, and I think the only thing that you can do to make sense of complete chaos is to kind of just like enjoy the ridiculous serendipity of it. You know mm. what I mean? Mm. The idea that like I could walk out of my house today and get hit by a car and that would be fucked up. I could also probably maybe equally as likely walk out of my house right now and there could be a suitcase on the ground. I open it up and there's a million dollars in it and my life is forever fucking changed. Mm. You know what I mean? And it's like, sometimes things are tragic. Sometimes things are funny. Sometimes things are amazing. But like, I think people's resistance to the chaos and their attempt to find order in the chaos is Mm. where the absurdity comes from. Mm. Where Because if you just accept it, then you're just like, yo, I got hit by a car. It's fucked up. My leg's broke. I wish it wasn't broke, but I guess it was just my time to get hit by a car. There's no rhyme or reason behind it. But when motherfuckers are like, oh, I got hit by a car because my Sagittarius mm. moon was in this <laughs> and because I didn't leave enough of an offering at you know church when I went last Sunday right. or because my you know the korean girl who does my nails she put a hex on me (laughs) now we're getting into some absurd shit that is amazingly funny and often more telling on the person not because they believe the thing but like in almost like a rorschach test of like the bad thing happened to you why do you think it happened like that's usually the most telling thing of like the connections you're gonna make you know it's like oh because i kicked my dog last night Oh, so you feel bad about kicking your dog because you know that shit wasn't right. right. You know that dog ain't do shit to you, but you still decide to kick it. Okay, so you got that on your soul, you know. Um, that's that's what appeals to absurdity about me. So I'm always trying to push it to the to the weirdest that I can while still maintaining the human truth. Mm. But like, I always want to just go to that weird place, that weirder solution to the problem because I think that's ultimately what most people we as humans try to do, um, even though we don't acknowledge it. All right. It reminds me of that joke, the like Louis CK, who is like, you know, whatever, like yeah. he's, he's what, he's whatever. But the joke he made was, um, it said something that's just like, he's like, Oh, well, I hope this fucking plane doesn't crash. And they're just like, don't say that. And he's just like, do you honestly think I have the power to make a plane fucking crash fall out of the sky by just saying, I hope the plane doesn't fucking crash. <laughs> like yeah. that's so ridiculous. And it's just like, yeah, 
but the shit that we like trick ourselves into believing are the fact that there has to be like some reason behind why yeah. something happened. Like I agree, it is quite absurd. And it for me, it was like a like a a very like a a pinpointing moment when I was like that when I got diagnosed with cancer, and I was I had to go through therapy for like you mm-hmm. know they, my hospital offers therapy for when you're going through chemotherapy and everything like that, like mental health therapy, and I didn't even realize but like in some weird subliminal way like i was kind of sort of blaming myself for getting cancer because i was just like Mm -hmm. oh well what could i done what could i've done differently um Mm -hmm. maybe if i would have eaten better or like worked out or whatever and a particular cancer that i had it's just like nah that shit just hits you like when it wants to but like my therapist like helped me see it's just like you gotta Mm -hmm. you can't blame yourself for getting cancer like you and like yeah you got it and it sucks and you could feel bad about it but some shit's just outside of your control <laughs> like, yeah sometimes you yeah. just get shit and it just happens yeah, just no, like, it's, yeah. It's, it's very true and and i think again like if you really dig into people and if you could somehow get into everybody's head i think everybody does the same thing you know where it's like yeah there's some shit you should blame yourself for your wife left you because you an asshole there right. like yeah that, that's on you bro uh, right the like, obvious shit yeah the obvious shit yeah but you know there's plenty of random stuff that like i think you know logically we know there's it's just chaos it's just it's the roll of the dice but we still want to find a a way for you know people say make it make sense right we want to make it make sense and you know that explanation of how it makes sense sometimes it comes back to you and you're like you know you don't you're not responsible for you getting cancer you know that's a a lottery uh, you know but in your head, the best answer was, nah, bro, if you wouldn't have ate that one cheeseburger, yep. you wouldn't have been in this situation. So you fucked it up, you know? And that becomes like, it just, it's not, sometimes it's funny in a black humor sort of way. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, I, I, if I, I find comfort in that sort of black humor in that absurdity to sort of pull those, those reasonings out. Yeah. Mm. So, there's a lot of like uh, like overlap in like our, like our interests and the topics that you like tackle with your work because um, mm-hmm. like when I watch it and I'm just like yeah that that makes perfect sense to me but like how, something that I have trouble with like not tr- trouble's too strong of a word something that like I often contemplate is um, while I'm doing like I feel what I'm doing is like dope as fuck mm-hmm. it's just like is it ex- who it's accessible accessible to? Because mm-hmm. a lot of times, a lot of people who like my shit, they're not black. They're like white people. Like white people love my yeah. shit. Yeah. Um, so I wonder, like, I wonder if you like have similar like contemplations, or like if you ever think about like how accessible the stuff that you do um, is to like black audiences. Is it even a factor? Is it just like fuck it? I just make it for whoever likes it, or is it like you know something that you actually like take into consideration? Um, it's definitely something that I take into consideration and that, that I think, I think that fear of like, will anybody get this is the first fear. Mm. Um, and I think that's common amongst most artists, I think, who are any degree self-aware, you know? Um, and for me, I kind of have to go like, I'm not, as long as I'm not like, um, just like totally up my own ass with like weird references and like 
this shit doesn't work unless you know this, 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 yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Then when I do that, if you do that, I'm like, okay, cool, dude, like pull it back. Um, But if I'm not doing that, then I, again, that's why that like human truth thing anchors me. And so I could say like, I'll find a human truth that is just, it works for anybody, black, white, yellow, purple, whatever. There may be other times where I'm like, let me just go to a human truth that just works for black people. Mm. Or maybe I'm just going to, I'm, I'm going to be on some shit where I'm just going to speak on a human truth that just speaks to men, you know? Um, but I think ultimately, like, if you do it, if you, if you craft your thing well enough, it's like, it goes back to the beginning, what we were saying about like, I'm not a furry, but like, if I talk to a dude who, or a lady who's a furry and she explains, Oh, I like this because I feel this, this, that, the other, when I put on the suit, I could be like, yep, I've never put on a suit and had sex in an animal suit, but like, I understand what you're saying. Hmm. And so like, even if I write something that's just black as fuck, if I, I feel like if I craft it the right way, to a degree, white people or Asian people should be able to be like, I don't get all of these references and I right. don't get this specific situation, but I understand what that character is kind of generally going through. Um, and as far as like, who likes the thing, I, I can't. I can't be worried about that as long as I feel like I'm being honest and, and, and true and honest means that like, sometimes I'm going to be black as fuck, but sometimes I'm going to put death metal in the shit. Right. Right. You know what I mean? Yep. Like, and you know, most people who like death metal are probably white. And most people who are going to resonate with the black as fuck shit are probably black. Right. My shit is I try to just slap that shit on top of, of each other. And like, if you get it, you get it. If you don't, you don't. And, you know, there's 8 million other things out on the internet for, you know, people to be involved in if, if it's not the thing that resonates with them or, or tickles them. Um, yeah. Yeah. Cause like, I, I like to look at it as like my loyalty is to the art. Like I have mm-hmm. to be loyal to the expression and I have to get that out in the most honest and truest way that I possibly can. Or otherwise I'm doing a disservice to everybody, myself, yep. you, the, the audience, like the work itself. It's just like, it's a disservice if I'm not just being perfectly honest. So I feel you on just like, you know, just layering the shit and just saying like, fuck it. Like this is the art and putting that thought into it, but it can't, I feel like a lot of times it can't override or else you just come up with some fuck shit. And it's just like, turns out to be trash. If you yeah, like think yeah. too much about like who it's, who's going to like it, who's going to impress. No, I think as long as it's true, it's going to be valid for somebody. You know what I mean? And like, if you look at that Tilda episode, it's fundamentally a rom-com, but the two actors are black and there's, mm. I feel like a good amount of cues of like the way black people interact with each other and the way black people flirt. But then it's also on some very heady art house shit about performance art and what is the nature of performance. Mm. All right, cool. I'm just stack them all together. I think all, all of those things are true individually of themselves. So I'm like, as long as they're all true, that makes a unique, a unique voice. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because let's like name another thing that another short film or film that you can think of that is a black rom-com that is also art house. Right. And about very obviously about sex as well. Right. I'm sure there's some, but like I I, I can't name one off the top of my head, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, And so I'm like, cool. Now I have a thing, you know? Um, 
Um, but yeah, so as long as it's true, I think fuck it, man. Yeah, and the art I'm, is real. I'm glad, like, I'm glad that you, like, you know, you you were honest in the Tilda Swinton love because like, <laughs> I'm out, I'm out here thinking like there's probably only like two or three other like black people who even know who Tilda Swinton is like yeah, by yeah. by name, and by it's name, just yeah. like um, and then also actually have like I mean. I have an affinity towards Tilda Swinton. Like I've loved her forever. So it's just like, again, I saw that. I was just like, Oh, I love this shit. <laughs> it was fucking chef kid. <laughs> but that's, that's the thing is that, you know, you would, I, you know, it, before I made this, I would have said the same thing. I've been like, yes, there's like, you know, a very small amount of black people who under, who know Tilda Swinton off name. Mm. And then also, I guess, are, interested in sex enough to sit through the first couple of seconds of just like, I want to fuck you because you got giant tits or whatever, whatever. <laughs> right. And I'm like, this will appeal to 12 people. <laughs> in my experience so far, there have been more than 12 people who oh, yeah. this has appealed to. You know what I mean? So yep. kudos. Uh, you know, I, I, again, just make the thing that's true. Don't worry about who it's going to hit. Yeah, I sent it out to like, once I saw it I, was, like, I sent it out to everybody I know who is like also like a Tilda Swinton fan which is like yeah. a handful of my friends and they were just like oh shit <laughs> I was just <laughs> like yo it's real yeah and so it's like uh, you the way that you play with genre also it's like it's uh, especially dope because um, a lot of times in horror while like I feel like black audiences are like they consume a lot of like science fiction and horror. They're like so criminally underrepresented in those genres, like whether yeah. it's in front of the camera or behind the camera. And so like I, aside from Candyman, which I don't really count because while Candyman is like a black, you know, story in the film, it wasn't originally like a black story. It didn't take place in Chicago. It had yeah. nothing to do with like, you know, Cabrini Green or anything like that. Um, it's become like a black horror film and like mm -hmm. pre COVID was about to become a franchise, which I'm still looking yeah. forward to that movie coming out Yeah, because that I love it. It's crazy. Oh, it's yeah. sick. And like yeah. all the Easter eggs in the trailer, like I watched yeah. the trailer maybe like 12, 13 times to just to pick out like all, like every shadow and like all that shit. Yeah. Um, so, and I think now with this new Candyman, that's when the shit's actually going to flip and it might actually become like a black horror franchise, perhaps. Yeah. Fingers crossed, you know, hopefully it does yeah. well enough. But do you think like, um, like, is it possible to have a black slash horror um, film franchise like an alien or a predator or a Terminator um, and it'd be like just like a cross genre cross market like spectacle that's like consumed by everybody or is it not like is it not yet time for something like that and or and how can we make it so that it would be wide, more widely accepted i i think it i think it definitely works i mean jordan peele would be the the you know uh the the proof point on that you know because get out was so wildly successful you mm -hmm. know um, and was such a, you know, talking point, cultural, you know, thing. Um, no, I, I think, I think it totally can work. It's just, you got to find the right person to crack the story. And then it's the studio to like, that'll put it out and leave people alone enough. And it often becomes a game with, I think of making any 
any minority art is that to make it work really well, you got to have some shit in there that like the person who's approving it probably doesn't get. Mm. And they have to be cool enough to be like, yo, I don't get why this is a thing, but I'm a, I'm a leave it in here. I'm gonna let you cook on this to make it fully realized, you know? And usually that only comes from that person who's making the thing, having a shitload of power. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And so it's like, Ryan Coogler making Black Panther, which is not horror, but does the thing that you're talking about, which is like fucking destroyed everything and became the most popular thing. Um, that only happens because Disney was put in a position of, of weakness where mm. they have a black character who it's like, okay, time to make this movie with this dude, with this character and Ava DuVernay pulls out. And so they look like they're, they, they're being too controlling so Ryan Coogler, he's come off Creed. He came mm. off Rubel Station. He's got now he's got all the juice in the room, and he's like, "I'm gonna do this, 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 and the other." And they can't really say shit, or else because they're, <laughs> they're like, "If he walks, we look like assholes." You right. know what I mean? Like, and so that's how you get something that's fully realized, and there's you know texture and layers and all that shit. Um, but yeah, I I think it'll be a great renaissance when when horror hits black people actually being spoken to and, and being behind the camera. Because like you said, we consume horror and science fiction and all genre stuff at a crazy rate, mm -hmm. you know? Um, but so few, so, so, so little of it is made for us, you know? Yeah. Like Lovecraft country was like, um, it's a like, TV show, but like that was a uh, start. And it, I mean, it had its faults. It was like, overall, yeah. it was like, you know, it was a, it was a good show in a good attempt. It had faults, a lot of which, yeah. like, especially, like, well, one, comparing it to the source material, but two, like, uh, knowing, like, the history of Lovecraft and also just creative decisions that were made were just like, yeah. uh. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, like, I feel like that it was, like, a like a solid entry into, like, a yeah. like a black horror that wasn't exploited, exploitative, yeah. um, which is, like, a big thing. It's, like, a lot of the horror, because after, like, Get Out... And us came out. There was like a wave of like a lot of like you know some made it to the theater, but a lot of it was like straight to video of just like oh shit, here we go again with like the black black exploitative shit. Like this one mm. movie about like voodoo, and it painted voodoo as just like you know basically evil witchcraft. It was just like yeah, when, yeah, when yeah. are they going to make a movie where like voodoo is the good guy? <laughs> like voodoo yeah, is not yeah, about yeah. that bullshit. Um, so yeah, like I'm like. I'm, and I hopefully like, you know, maybe one of us could be the creators of that, but like, I'm still striving, yeah. like I s still write and I'm trying to figure out, I need like a black, like slasher monster dude that just like wrecks shit or woman or non-gender yeah, conforming yeah. gender, you know, yes, yes, all yeah. the above. Before we go, do you have anything to plug? Would you like to spread any information about any upcoming projects? Um, no, I mean, like I'm, wor I'm definitely working on stuff right now. Uh, there's a lot of stuff that's in the, in the cooker, but it, none of it is like pluggable yet. You know, mm, I mean? Cause right. it's not, it's not w w nothing has been signed or nothing has been, um, you know, set in, in wheels to be made, but definitely have a couple of things, um, um, cooking and, and coming, hopefully coming out pretty soon. But yeah, but thank you so much for having me. Uh, this has been a, a great conversation, dude. Cool, yeah. And where can people find you on social media? 
my Instagram Instagram is uh, at Ray the Destroyer. That's probably the easiest place to find me. That's you know whenever then the new thing will be uh, coming out, I'll definitely post it there. And otherwise, you can see my Instagram stories about the dudes who play basketball at the court across the street from my house. <laughs> <laughs> chronicling their uh, their exploits <laughs> cool and i'll put links to khaki is not leather in the description for everybody to view on vimeo and last question what is black um i'm really fighting myself not to just quote black star a black star song um, <laughs> Um, but, uh, shit, man, uh, black is just like, I'll, you know what black is, I will quote something else. I will quote the Supreme court black, you know it when you see it, but I can't define it. <laughs> that's as good as, okay. there it is. That's, that's a good answer. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Ray. Been a pleasure speaking with you. Much Thank success, you. continued success, and I'll be up with you, you know, in the near future. Awesome, man. Thank you so much. All right, man. Take care. All right. Take care. Have a good one. All right. Later. Peace.